Hello, my name's Miss Hackett and I'm reading Chapter 10, Yuri. I lean back in the chair and imagine Mamotchka, arms folded over her chest, telling me the story is nonsense. A bear cub turning into a human child, it's impossible. But then I look down at my legs. There's a blanket on the arm of the chair. I pull it over me, but it doesn't hide the shape of my legs and my claws poke out. So I close my eyes. A memory climbs into my mind of standing on the bare Tsarina's back on four paws. I tell myself it's my imagination, that I'm fired up by what Ivan the Grey said, and this ridiculous story, but it feels real. The fur on my legs rustles and my claws splay wide as I stretch, and the sensations are suddenly familiar. Lost memories force their way to the surface. I remember rolling over to cover my fur with a sense of dry earth, licking my snout with a long, wet tongue, my ears swivelling to the sounds of fish splashing. I remember being all bare. Cold creeps over me, and though I'm sitting still, I feel as, though, as if I'm falling through the air, about to crash into the ground. I've spent my whole life feeling unsettled in the village, like I didn't fit, but it never occurred to me that might be because I'm not meant to be with people with humans at all. Maybe I'm meant to be alone in the forest, as a bear. Tears spill down my cheeks, for Mamochka, for Sasha, for all of the things I love about the village and I didn't realise until now. The squat wooden houses that line the square, the hall carved, painted roof. The way everyone works together to build things for the festivals, even the way villagers compare my strength to a bear's. It might have made me feel different, but it was usually meant as a compliment. For the first time since I entered the forest, it occurs to me that I might never be able to go back, and that makes me feel more alone than ever. I open my mouth to call for mousetrap, but the words stick in my throat, and I find all I can do is squeeze my eyes shut and cry myself to sleep. I'm woken by mousetrap's whiskers tickling my cheek. I open my eyes and flinch as a dead mouse swings into the fo into focus right under my nose. I brought you breakfast. Mousetrap nudges the, ca the carcass closer. You were asleep when I returned from my hunt last night, so I caught this one fresh for you this morning. No thanks. I wrinkle my nose and sit up. Mousetrap looks from me to the mouse. His mouth draws into a thin, offended line. What's wrong with it? Nothing, I'm just hung not hungry. I slide my legs out from the, under the blanket and look at my bare feet. I knew they would still be there. I, feel, I felt their weight, but that didn't stop me from hoping they might have disappeared. I wish none of this had happened. I wish I was in my house with my own legs having breakfast with Mamochka. My stomach rumbles at the thought. Not hungry? Mousetrap looks at my belly accusingly. Not for mice. I snap a couple of bread rings off my shusky necklace and pop them into my mouth. Then I shuffle across the floor, getting used to the feel of my new legs again. I unbolt the door, eager to breathe in the morning air and clear my head of the gloomy, fruitless thoughts. Sunshine dazzles on the snow outside. I step into it and the cold makes me feel awake and alive. A mouse darts through a tunnel beneath me, and the sensation is so magical I feel foolish for wishing away these feet. 
I lift my head into the air and laugh. I have bare legs! I shout at the trees, and my voice echoes back to me from every direction. Suddenly, I'm bursting to know more about my new legs and why I have them. I close my eyes, I, sorry, I close my fingers around my arrowhead necklace. Where shall I go today? I rush into the cabin, have a quick tidy up, throw on my coat and step back outside, unrolling my map. The sketch of the blue mountain pulls my gaze like it has its own gravity. That's where I need to go. The bear's arena will be there and I'll be able to talk to her like I can talk to Mousetrap. Meeting Ivan, hearing his words and reading the story of the bear's child has convinced me there is truth in Anatoly's tales. And if anyone knows the truth, it would be the bear's arena. She raised me for the first two years of my life, so she'll know who or what I am, and hopefully know why I'm changing now too. I need to find her. The sun is high in the sky and I curse myself for sleeping in. Mamochka could be on her way here now, determined to find me and take me to the hospital. And the blue mountain looks far away, more than a day's walk. After struggling to see in the dark and hearing the howls of the wolf pack, I'd rather not travel at night again, which means planning a route that will get me to another of Anatoly's cabins before dusk. I look at my map again. If I walk north, along the banks of the silver stream, I'll pass two of Anatoly's cabins. It's a winding, indirect route, but it's easy to follow, and if Anatoly is, one, is in one of the cabins, he could sledge me to the bear cave. Human girl, Mousetrap shouts, and I turn to see him hanging over the edge of the roof. There's a store up here. It might hold Anatoly's card, but I can't get into it. I squint at the viewing platform Anatoly built on the roof. I had forgotten all about it. The last time I came here was when I was five years old. I was small enough to, but, for Anatoly to lift me into it. The platform is the perfect place to get a look at the route I've planned, and it might give me an idea of exactly how far away the bear cave is. On my way, I call to Mousetrap and bound through the snow to a ladder fixed to the far end of the cabin. I step onto it tentatively, worried it won't hold my weight, but each rung is thick and holds firm. The view from the roof whips my breath away. The snowy forest stretches out as far as I can see and the enormity of it makes me giddy. Mousetrap, look! My hand flies up when I spot the blue mountain in the distance, rising from the forest like a tooth. But Mousetrap isn't paying attention. He's trying to break the lock on a small store while still babbling about on about cod. I unroll my map again and try to match it up with the landscape. The silver stream shines as it cuts through the forest. Though it's called a stream, it's actually a long braided river, and in places it is it, it is as deep as wide and as deep as a lake. Its icy surface is breaking up, crumpling and shifting as channels of water start to flow. I can't believe it's already two days since the festival, when the big melt began. I'm jolted by an echoing crash, a splash and a piercing scream. My gaze darts along the riverbank below. The scream rises to an ear-splitting screech, and finally I spot the creature in distress. Something large and leggy. Maybe a deer or an elk. It's fallen through the ice at the river's edge and is thrashing around trying to pull itself out. Help! The creature's cries become words in my mind, and I rush to the ladder, pushing my map back into my pocket. 
It takes too long to climb down, so I jump into the snow and run across the clearing. I'm going to help, I call back to Mousetrap, but he's streaking alongside me already. I pick up speed as the ground slopes away and skid down the hill, snow avalanching ahead of my feet. Then I pause at the bottom to listen for the cries again. This way, Mousetrap sprints ahead of me and I follow him off the trail, though tightly packed pines, through tightly packed pines, until the shrieks are so loud I know we must be close. Bright light shines ahead, reflecting off the ice on the river. A young elk is struggling in the water at the edge. I can just make out his long brown face, two short velvety antlers and two gangly legs skidding around in front of him as he fails to get a grip. His whole back end has fallen through the ice. Help, he wails, and I rush towards him, but I stop in my tracks when I see a person behind a tangle of branches, kneeling next to the elk. They are wrapped in a huge coat with a fur-lined hood that covers their face. Mousetrap leaps onto my shoulder and squeezes deep into my collar, out of sight. Get off! The elk shrieks as the person tries to loop a rope under its front legs. He cries for help. Again, his voice panicked and confused. I groan as I walk over because I don't want the person to see me like this. I'm scared that their stare might wither away the last hope the last of my hope of ever fitting in with people but I can't leave the elk struggling when I could help I glance down my long skirt covers everything apart from my feet and they might pass for boots the person is so focused on the rope that they haven't noticed me approaching so I kneel next to the elk hiding my feet behind me it's all right I say gently putting my hand on his warm silk soft snout the elk's big brown eyes swivel towards me, wide with fear. I wrap my arms around his woolly neck to prevent him sliding further into the river, and his legs stop thrashing. I'm Yanka, I whisper into his ear. I'm going to help you. Y Yuri, the elk stammers. I'm Yuri. Help me up, I'm so cold. I turn to the person still fumbling with the rope, and my mouth drops open when they look up at me with familiar grey eyes. Sasha, what are you doing here? 